I was a dental assistant first. It was 18. Okay. Dental assistant. And I, I got into sales about uh, six years into dental assisting. Okay. When you started, you were 18 mm -hmm. as a dental. What was the hourly rate back then? $4.25 an hour. Oh. Or $4.50 an hour. In the dental office is to eliminate all those wasted steps, emotions, mm -hmm. all the things that make it chaotic and add all those steps to add up. And it's taxing, it's weighing, it's, and that's when I saw my boss speak in 2006 and I'm like, hmm, what, what, what? I, I, I could do this so much easier. Most important job of mine is in the office, buy-in buy-in from the team members yes into the system yes there's so many things i don't even know what you do i mean i sing at home meaning i don't sing i love singing i think i have a pretty voice you do but i don't do it in public unless i'm karaoke and a few drinks okay we're gonna make this happen what just like me, I mean, me I weather love for it, singing. At peak and get a couple of drinks and then go singing. You and Karen. Yeah. Oh my God, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> She's awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. I wonder if Doctor Novak would sing after a couple of drinks. Does he have a good voice? No, but he's a good singer. How do you know? I'm sure he is. I'm a really good singer, but I don't like to say that out loud because then people put me on the spot and say sing. Well, now it's on record. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it, but I don't. I, I, usually if I'm on that karaoke stand, I'll go, I don't need any accompaniment. Just let me go. You don't even need the words I for don't, the song? I don't need any music. I don't need any, like, guitars or drums. Can or, you, like, sing, like, a little bit? Like, what's your favorite song? I can sing Alanis Morissette pretty good. Can you do, like, just a second of it? No. Why not? No, because you'll have it on the record. And then it'll be kind of like you'll use it against me and be like, hey, remember, I have that thing. <laughs> Why should I use it against you? Like, I would just literally put it out there for people to see, and that's it. We're good. Mm -hmm. I think you're awesome. I was so happy awesome. to meet you. Nice Because we you met too. at uh, Weather Fort, when was it? Uh, June 4th. Gosh, you have the date down? Yeah. I travel so much, I can't keep the date straight. Yeah, because I just flew back from Ecuador. I was so fired up about it my trip and then I came and I saw you and that's the same day that Dr. Nova gave me <clears throat> advice about parenting and stuff so it was just a great event night I mean great night and I just remember that yeah it was a great night I, and it's not often that when I'm working with a practice that they invite me out you know like hey let's go to the local hangout or whatever and, yeah or let's go have dinner it's not I don't get that very often. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. But I don't eat out a lot since yeah. COVID. Because you're in a big shape and stuff. Like you, you're big into like staying in shape and running. I like staying in shape. I like running. Yeah. You went running that's, that's that night. That's my release. Yes, I did. Yeah. It's so cool. But like when you say that doesn't happen that often, for me it was opposite. So like when we started Zen in 2006, 2007 is when I met... <clears throat> The first like five, six people in the dental industry, I didn't know anybody before that, right? Mm -hmm. And then I went on my road trip 
to meet the clients, the people that already signed up, like Tom Novak and, and, and the rest of the people. Even though Tom, I met him recently, like 2020 or 21. But a lot of people I met on that trip in 2017, and I would say 80% of the time, I would go to a dental office. I would knock on door, go to the front, and I say, I'm Tiger from Zen Supplies. First of all, they thought that I was from Dent Supply, right? So Zen Supply, <laughs> Dent Supply. Yeah. So, and I would say, I'm here to see the doctor. So obviously, somehow, I got into the doctor's office, right? And then it's like, hey, I'm Tiger. I'm here. You guys sign up with Zen. And they're like, oh, Zen, that's so cool. And then we would spend a day. Then most of the time, we'd go to grab drinks or, or meet for dinner. And then 50% of the time, I would stay at doctor's houses because they would invite me over. They would be like, hey, you know, where are you staying? I'm like, I didn't book the hotel yet. I'm just going to do it now. They're like, no, just go to my house. I have a room. And I was broke as yeah. So it was cool. Yeah, that's Because cool. I was building a business and I didn't have any money. Like all my cards were maxed out at that point. Mm -hmm. And so it was so awesome that, I mean, it wasn't. It's not really true because I still buying gas to visit offices. But the point is like I was so short on money. It was so awesome when like Dr. Lee out of Jacksonville, you know, he's like, just stay at my house, meet my four kids. And then we came home and he just like put all four kids like by the height. He's like, this is Chase. This is, and I just... I don't remember all the names now, but it, that's why I made remember. a roommate for the next couple of yeah, days. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that's great. I, and, you know, like, it's a male dominated still industry. I mean, maybe, it's changed, maybe, yeah. maybe 50 50, but, yeah. you know, for the most part, the clients I'm working with, you know, they're, they're males. And, you know, to have a, a it's, I think it's different for a woman, right? Probably, yeah. Like, As I was saying that, I, I kind of felt that, you know, it's a little bit more biased probably, right? Like, I can't imagine somebody saying, yeah, stay right. my house. Hey, You're come like, stay yeah. my house. And, but I'm cool. Like, I'd be... You are. I'd be yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, especially like if I were working, you know, 1099 or, you know, just commission base or, you know, and it was actually coming out of my pocket, my living expenses or yeah. travel expenses. Yeah. You know what now? You, you mean know. design ergonomics is not paying for your like five star hotels? I don't say five star hotels. But you know what though? The more frequently you travel, yeah, the the bigger perks you get, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, right now I have a Lincoln, a Lincoln, some kind of SUV out there, not a Navigator like the the bigger one, the crossover like yeah. thing. That's and awesome. I would how never long, get how that. How long you've been with Design Ergo? Um. I started in 2011, and wow. I worked, I sold dental equipment, I worked chairside with Dr. Ahern. I needed to know that what I was selling was working, and that I could maneuver it. I'm a dental assistant, and that I could maneuver it and believe in it as much as I needed to to sell it. I couldn't sell anything I didn't believe in. And so actually having my hands in it and working chair side, that was important. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What made you um, what made you excited about designer ergonomics? Why did you join? Mm, great question. I don't get that question that often. So I met I was uh, engaged to a dentist um, for a while and we went to a conference back in 2006, and on the docket to speak was Dr. Ahern, David Ahern. And I kind of 
I was like, okay, you know, it's just another one of these. You know, I got to mm-hmm. kind of make the rounds, right? And what he said spoke to me directly. And he wasn't speaking to me directly, but I felt like everything that he was saying spoke spoke to me directly. And I had been a dental assistant for since 1992. Um and got into, you know, consulting business. And then I worked for a dentist who became my fiance for a period of time. Um, And I just kind of looked up at him in a room full of maybe 500 people. And I was like, what? Like, I had this look of like, there's no way on my face. And then I looked around the room and everybody else had that same look on their face. And I said, you know what, one day I want to be a part of that. So fast forward, had a tragedy in my life. My fiance passes away and a couple of things didn't work out. And I called Dr. Hearn and I said, hey, I'd like to come and work with you. Could you use my help? And he said, how quickly can you get here? Mm-hmm. And so. Wow. And that's, uh, you said 2006. I met him in 2006. Okay, yep. Um, My fiancé passed away in 2010, and I called Dr. Ahern like March-ish, I want to say, of 2011. And I didn't, he said, I I don't want you to accept this job just over the phone and like it's, you know, I want you to come here. I want to fly you here. I want to show you my operation. And then I want you to decide whether or not you think it's a good fit for you. And so that's what I did. In 2011. In 2011. And so how quickly did you go there? Uh, I was there, I I was hired on like August 2011. Okay. And since then... You join as sales? I was sales. Equipment. Equipment and designs. Okay. I didn't know the lick of, about dental designs. Didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't know anything really about dental equipment. I had sold digital x-ray for a while. Um, yeah. I, I so sold software for a while, like dental software, yeah. soft dent. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I worked for Trophy RVG, and, and before they were even acquired by Kodak, I, I worked for them. Um, they were acquired by Kodak while I was there. Um, and then, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I liked being in the office. I liked figuring out what it was going to take for a doctor to buy digital x-ray or dental equipment or rather than just going in and just giving them a spiel. Yeah. Did you start as sales first, selling dental equipment, and then you became dental assistant? No, I was a dental assistant first. It was 18. Okay. Dental assistant. And I I got into sales about uh, six years into dental assisting. Okay. When you started, you were 18 Mm -hmm. as a dental. What was the hourly rate back then? $4.25 an hour. Or $4.50 an hour. I believe that that was the minimum wage. And so back then, dental assistants were making minimum wage? Yes. You know, like one of my passions is I'd love to change that at some point. Like I would love dental assistants not to be considered minimum wage. Like you really join an office and you start at like 25, 30 at where it's at today, right? So obviously, as the minimum wage grows, that would grow too. I mean, dental assistants, I mean, unless you have certain qualifications, you're not going to make $25, $30 an hour, I, I don't think. Um, 
You might if you are placing fillings, like the state of Ohio where I was an assistant, that's there that was that's kind of I think their rate right yeah. now. You know, I'll push back. You know why? Because hmm. I, I asked doctors about it. I said, is there a way you would pay dental assistants thirty bucks an hour when a minimum wage is wage is fifteen to eighteen depending on the state, right? Or or I think it's fifteen. I mean, it's it's still I think only eight dollars and something in Florida. Yeah. So they they automatically say no. I said, Okay, that's a great that's a great way to look at it, but Let's just say you have a dental assistant that's so clinically advanced that that's the dental assistant you're placing implants with, all on X. Um, you're doing sleep apnea and all. They're like, oh, absolutely. I'm like, But is it really cool. just dental assisting that you're after? That's exactly my point. That's when we start breaking down. Or I say, what if you have a dental assistant who's so good at management that she becomes the lead assistant? And she now manages the rest of the assistants and helps them grow. And on top of it, she manages the budget and keeps you under 4% on supplies. Dang, absolutely. How about some of my dental assistants that I work with that are clinical leads don't treat patients at all. Right. And they're every day it's working on coaching teams up like leaders to me right. are those that can coach others into replacing them, right? Yeah. So you want to coach people up into yeah. a position that you would feel confident that if you, God forbid, something happens to you, someone could take over. Right. You know, Andy Tran and I were on a podcast recording, and it just hit me so badly in my head that in software development, it's so easy, right? In what I do, when we hire engineers, if the engineer joins the team, you have a track as individual contributor or manager, and you get to choose. So you can say, I want to be so good as an individual contributor. Like I want to learn new stuff and platforms and systems and all of it. And so whatever we decide to build, that individual contributor can say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And we're like, cool. Then you can grow in a management. And they're both the same scale. They're all both the same pay. Mm -hmm. And then you have management opportunity where you say, you know what, these six people that we got on the team, I want to manage them and make sure we, we run the best team and we execute the best way possible. Then Angie and I are talking. And I'm like, so dental assistants, yeah. And it seems like there's a blur line between all of that. And him and I are talking. And I said, Andy, but like clearly you have assistants. How many lead assistants can you have? He's like, one. Okay. How many clinical assistants, the lead clinical assistants you have? He's like, one. Are they the same people? No. So I said, you have the two tracks that I'm talking about. He's like, yes. I'm like, did you ever realize that you actually built the two separate tracks and you constantly filling in people so that they're growing? He's got a lot of what, people. What divides them or what makes them different? Just one is purely clinical and one is purely business. Mm. Meaning one is mm. growing like like procedures, instruments, what kind of procedures, how to prepare for the procedures, since he's mm -hmm. got his own favorite assistants that he likes to work with, right? And they're so clinically well, like, working with him. They're and, skilled. Right. And then skill. he's got assistants that are in charge of the back, in charge of, like, hey, are we doing sport tests? Are we doing this? Are we doing budgets and stuff? That's the management side. That's a lead assistant on a business side. And they have the tracks. And I was like, this is so brilliant. I don't know. And after that, I talked to a lot of dentists, like at least four or five, which is a lot to me, right? And I said, do you have that? They're like, no. I'm like, have you considered that? They're like, no. So the entire dental industry, what they do, they just hire a dental assistant, they plug them in, 
and they expect them to figure this out. They don't even talk to them as far as like, hey, are you good on clinical or business? Or neither. Yeah, they may not even yeah, know you, you're good the at, answer to that. Yeah. And just give them the try. Like, hey, let's let you yep. do one Henry Schein orders, like one distributor a month orders. And the rest will have somebody else. But we're just going to see how you're going to do that. How you're going to qualify, like, so submit an order, track it, comes in, you verify, you put in the right tip-up bins, which we're going to talk about in a second. Right? So, like, <laughs> organize it all, right? And yeah. then you have clinical, like, who is interested in, in implants. Because I'm sure there's some assistants, they don't like watching, placing implants. They just have to do it because they have to. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It was brilliant, in my opinion, what he does. Um, I, I think that it can, I think all of that can be coached. Um, but you, I think that there is a clear, it, there are some dental assistants or hygienists who love being chairside and they love the clinical part and that's their fit, right? That's how they fit in the practice. And then there are some who be like, man, like, I just want to do something else. I want to expand my knowledge base. I want to grow. I want to grow the company. And like, then it's like, okay, well, let's have a deeper conversation about that. Um, I mean, there are hygienists in clinical lead roles uh, and they're great. Uh, but like the dental assistants who want to do that, are, I, I hate to say this, like, I hate to say the education level, right? I mean, I'm, I didn't go to college, um, but I got street smarts. Like, right. I got like common sense, that thing that, you know, like, hey, if it takes me 10 steps to walk around the chair, I'm going to find out how I can go through the chair to make it in half that time, right? Yeah. Like, I, I just think, God, what a foolish thing to do to have to walk 10 steps around a chair. But there aren't many people who can think like that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that I've ever come across. Yeah, and there would be someone who's going to be more into clinical side or instead yep. of efficiencies. And they're going to, I mean, right. So that person, great. Their fit in the practice is this. And, you know, like a lot of hirees that you bring on a practice and th maybe they've come in and they've done all this education. They've gone to school. They've, they are super skilled hygienists. I'll just say, cause they've, you know, they could have a four year degree work chair side and go, oh my God, this is not for me, but might be great at, um, working at the front desk. I've had hygienists that work at the front desk and they're great. They're treatment they coordinators. They sell the treatments. Right. Yeah. What better person to do that? The one who, I mean, they, if you can pull the science away and start talking frank like a normal to people, person. right? Yeah. They're great. Yeah. But, you know, the right practice will be able to determine who's, what role you are best suited for, right? Or what is your great, great fit here? Yeah. Um, you know, having that office that has mission, vision, core values, that's where it starts. And then the doctor can go, okay, man, you're really great at that. Let's develop it. It, you know, if you like Dr. Tran, if he's got one assistant who focuses on numbers and then one who, or one or three, whatever, who's just like the one who's in the operatory and, and knows his next move before he knows it, he needs it. Right. Um, 
that's perfect. That's a great yeah. fit. And that's a dental assistant you take with you on all the CEs that you're taking. So if yeah. you are going to the implant course, you're bringing an assistant. It's just so much easier to know, okay, I got Susan, who's my clinical lead. She's going with me. Yeah. Versus good. like Jason, who is in my business lead, and he's got ordering and all this back end of the office and operations. Like, I don't need to sit and think, Jason, let's go to my all on X course. No. Yeah. No. Wrong fit. Right. So because you can't translate that to the ones who are skilled chair side, you can't translate that in like business wise. You could take all the notes you want and that assistant would be uh -huh. um, show me how that works. Right. Right. And then it's like then the course becomes dead it, yeah. because if this girl can't do it with me or this guy can't do it with me, yeah. then I, it's dead. Yeah. I'm always checking because once my yeah, battery died. Yeah, that's fine. I get in. Yeah, we can break the table. And we're sitting in a hotel recording this thing. But mm -hmm. once my battery died and I just keep, now I'm keeping an eye on this thing oh, just to make sure. I'll, ke I'll keep the red lights in my cool in my periphery. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, that's my passion, though. It's I, I want to figure out. Remember I called you and I said, let's find a way to, to work together? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I mean. Like, imagine if, if it, this would have been so much clearer to the entire dental profession that your dental assistants need to grow. And, and a lot of people don't see how they can build that career path for their assistants in the practice. That They're like, what do you mean I can pay more dental assistants? Or what do you mean they can grow? They can grow. Yeah. Like literally, Andy and I talked about it. Level one, you just do a sterilization, like you sterile tech. Level two, we're gonna start letting you do some procedures. You know I have a training for that. Yeah, exactly. But, but that's the thing. We, we need to build it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's built. Where? I, I have it. It's Let's a reinvigorate it. training. We do it. Let's do it. Level three, now advanced clinical assistant, or you go on a business track after level two. So you have to have level one sterilization tech. You yep. have to have level two for all the basic dental procedures to be an assistant. And then, boom, you decide which way to go. Because then you're not thinking like, wait a minute, which bird do I need to buy for Dr. Andy if he's doing this procedure? No, you know it. I mean, right. that's why you need that basic level too. And that's how you start building the wages. Like, all right, you start at 17 bucks an hour, then you, we move you up to 19, 20 bucks an hour. And then whatever you choose, that's where you go. Uh, and I mean, I, I hear what you're saying sometimes. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not. I need pushback. That's why I'm talking yep. to you about this. Believe it or not, um, it's not, it, it might not be an hourly rate that is the influence or the thing that motivates the client or the dental assistant or the employee. I'm just going to call it the employee. It's not always a financial thing. Right. So... Um, I've worked with some offices that take, give, you know, like a extra two days vacation paid, like having that day, those days off or is more valuable fully to paid them. insurance. Yeah. I mean, usually if one has it, they all do. Yeah. Um, like hundred percent covered. Yeah. I, I don't know if they staff can talk about wages. That is not something that they have to keep secret. Um, they can say, hey, listen, we don't talk about wages here. Nobody talks about wages. Right, but just like we don't allow phones in the office. 
All right. Everybody uses their phone. Yeah. And yeah. so, right. And it becomes one of those things like, what battle do you want to right. fight? Don't fight that. Don't fight the phone one. Yeah. Um, but like when it comes to pay and stuff, they're all going to yeah. talk and there is nothing legal wise that a Stop boss can them. say, Hey, you can't talk about that. Like, yeah, they can. You know why I always bring up the pay though? It's like, I hear dentists complain about dental assistants, but at the same time, there's no career path. You're just hoping that the high school students or, or college dropouts are going to come in. They work. are in my world. There right. is definitely a plan. And you're going to come in and work as a dental assistant, but then, okay, fine. If that's the plan, build a career for them. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's like you. You're very unique to go and do so many different things and become great at it. So, but if you have a career path for dental assistants to literally go from uh, an hourly rate or minimum, minimum wage all the way up to whatever you think is right. You know, there's somebody in Austin that pays 75 bucks an hour to their dental assistant because she does something extra that is bringing so much more value and money to that dentist that he's like, cool, just do it, right? Yeah. So, right. like, there are ways to do this. And that's where we can have a profession for dental assistants to then grow within that profession. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying about the pay. Yes, I agree with you. Not everybody is about the money. They will take the level two without an extra raise. Or they will go into level three without a raise. Right. I'm just then flipping back to the dentist and saying, well, if there are growing within your practice, if you're providing that career path, also attach it to the salary raises. And they will be excited. Like, it's super clear. Yeah, they'll be, they will be excited. Um, you know, work environments are important. Huge. I, 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 I'm reluctant to call it pay all the time mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm working with a lot of dental assistants or clients rather and their teams. And of course, you know, we talk to the doctor and be like, man, that girl is the bomb yeah. or that guy Fire. is the bomb. Yes. I want to know if you will let me coach them to work with me and they can go out on the road with me. I have two dental assistants that work in practices that go and do trainings all by themselves. The full reboot training. Wow. So they're still full-time employed at the office? They sure it's are. It's not like you're stealing them. Correct. Right. They're clinical leads in their dental practice. And the doctor, I mean, they're salaried employees. Right. And when I coach them up to do what I'm doing or our team coaches them to do what we do, they become experts now in their practice. And the doctors love that. Right. They have got a, a clinical lead that is an expert in all areas of this uh, position. And they also have an opportunity to travel, see other places, and be able to make more money by coaching practices. And so, you know, I need to grow that team. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of those. Every office I go, I'm always looking to see what the culture is. Who is this person? Mm -hmm. Ask these questions like, how does it work? Who is in charge? You know, yeah, how do then you make they, decisions in the back? I, and I, if, if you can make a decision in the back and it doesn't require me to, 
I'm not going to give you the answer. I just want to help develop you. And how do you get to that answer? You know, like there are no more responses with, okay, here, I'll give you the answer. It's what do you think, how do you think you could overcome that objection? How do you think you could um, do this procedure better? How do you think that you could decrease your supply overhead? Right. And let them be have autonomy and and provide me with some solutions. I I I'm sure I have a pretty good idea what the solution could be in in circumstance like supply, let's just say supplies. But allowing them to have an answer is important. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I think the whole industry and the view of dental assistance needs a reboot. I love dental assistance. To me, you can't run an office without a dental assistant. I believe that too. You can run without a hygienist. You can run without an office manager. I love all these people. But if you look at things objectively, a dentist cannot operate a dental office without a dental assistant. It's my point of view. Listen, I'm a dental assistant. What am right. I going to say? Right. Of course, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I work with all clinical staff members. And you'll always, it's that 80-20 rule, you know, one out of five is just going to be like, you know, and it could make or break a training sometimes. And it's really dependent on the leadership. And so if the doctor has great leadership and supports me and what I'm trying to accomplish by delivering to me his leadership, who he thinks is leadership, then I have to rely on those individuals. And so like one out of five, you might have a couple that are just, or one that's like, whatever. Mm, yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to just going to keep, I'll listen to her, but I'll just keep doing yeah. things my way. And so, I mean, and that's you know, why you have those and you just kind of have to pick them out of the crowd. Right. And that's why I think a lot of people look at the industry as if these people represent the industry. The way I see dental assistance is very different. Mm -hmm. I will see somebody, I can still imagine New York, small practice in Brooklyn, a dental assistant is literally trying to do like 4,000 tasks a day mm -hmm. from taking the tray out of the cabinet, putting the tray on the table, taking the tray in the, in the operatory, bringing it back, like literally 4,000 steps. Then she needs to clean, turn over the rooms, smile to the patient, uh, smile to the doctor, and then go home, pick up the kid, make the dinner, yeah. and then do it all over again the next day. I would shoot myself. And that's every clinical staff member in, in my book, I've, I've, besides the doctor. Hygienists have to do it too. And my job, my role in the dental office is to eliminate all those wasted steps and motions, mm -hmm. all the things that make it chaotic and add all those steps add up and it's taxing it's weighing it's and that's when I saw my boss speak in 2006 and I'm like hmm what what I I, I could do this so much easier but as dental professionals we tend to complicate dentistry as humans we tend well, to right as our we lives. complicate our lives it doesn't have to be at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I use some of the things that I've learned over the years at home, right? 
And you've heard my stories. It's like my poor husband, <laughs> who's never lived with anybody before, is putting up with me going, okay, we have need structure in this house. <laughs> the pantry in the room needs to have tip-out bins. It needs tip-out bins by Spice Cabinet. Come on. All those clear containers, you've seen that Tidy Up program on Netflix. Hell, there's so many programs out there about, oh my gosh, if I have a clear container, what, you mean I could see through it? Yeah, that's the point. You get to see what you have. After, you know when it's time to order. After a weather fort, after I met you, I came home. <laughs> I looked at the My Pantry. I went to sleep, and then in the morning I wake up. Early, my wife is still sleeping, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to redo the pantry. And so she wakes up. Everything is on the floor. All the shelves, I'm like, all right, my pickles are going to go one after the other so I can see how many jars I have. Mm -hmm. The beans are the same thing. Like, And I organize like whatever, like the canned stuff is at the top. Then the rest is like all by how it Category. Needs to be. Right. Yeah. So my wife looked at me, and she's like, oh, my God. I use this room, not you. Look, still, it's perfect. Don't touch it. Yeah, but it's easier for her now. She overcomplicated it. You know, the, you've, you've met those people who have, like, their desk is all just in shambles, right? Yeah. Like, there's crap everywhere. And you go, what is this? Hey, it's my organized chaos. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as organized no. chaos. But see, I give my wife a credit because a lot of people go straight back to that same organized chaos mm -hmm. after you clean it. My wife... I organize it, and she's like, cool, just use it. I like it. Good. Right? So she's not trying to go back and move the, the pickles back to where it was behind the wine. Mm -hmm. So she just, like, leaves it the way it is, and it's cool. I like your cabinet already, pickles and wine. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Um, how did you get into your current position? After selling dental equipment, I know we're like kind of transitioning, but I'm no. I'm very curious because now now what you do is I think so essential, and um you and I talked about it. I'd love to build what you do as a service, but in the way of a product that a lot of people can buy and that it can reach a lot more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. We talked about that. Yeah, because what you do is so needed. So I can't take credit for it. It is not mine. Right. Um. And I I worked with some pretty smart people who just want to make their lives easier and for the better good or the greater good of this industry. And so um, I left I left uh, design ergonomics, ergonomic products, like 2013, 14, something. I can't remember. Because I thought I wanted something better. I needed to, I, I, it, we really are an inside sales organization. And so I liked being able to get up and go and like see the sun and all of that. And I thought that Benco was going to be a better shot for me. And I accepted a position at Benco Dental and I was a sales rep. I was a door to door salesperson with a, um, I mean, I had clients and like, I would just drive. In Florida? No, it was still in Massachusetts. Oh, you're in Massachusetts. I was, yeah. When I worked at, when I worked at Design Ergonomics, I moved there mm. and lived, I lived in Providence, but drove to Fall River every day or Westport, Massachusetts then. Um, 
And I thought, you know, hey, like maybe the grass is greener and maybe I just, you know, I'd like to try this thing out. And so I left. Um, they weren't expecting it. I just did. And I just, I, I didn't want to be sitting inside anymore. At least that's what I thought. Um, I knew it did not take long before I realized that haggling over five cents on cotton rolls was not my thing. That if you are doing that, there's truly something wrong with your practice. But how do I get this doctor to listen? I'm just a sales rep. And that's what they thought of me. Is that, oh, no, you're just, you're like, you're just a representative of one of those supply companies. I didn't like that. Because I wasn't that. You had so much more to offer. Right. Um, there was a time, so it was, I didn't last at Ben Colon. It was like, no, this is not for me. I, I called Chuck Cohen. I was like, oh, my God, I just made the biggest mistake. I hate this. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, my the owner of the company I called, and he actually talked to, talked to me. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to try to work it out. And, you know, I've never failed at something, but I do not see, I didn't like it. And so, um, so awesome that he had access to him. He was that guy. He is that guy. Yeah. He is that guy. Yeah. Like he's you can call great. him up. You can call him up. He's really, he's he was a sales rep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's really nice and really great. Um, I just, and they recruited me from a convention. So like, I mean, I was just on it with, I, I believed in what Dr. Hearn did and what he what he does and what he stood for. And for me to talk that at any convention or lecture about it was like, hey, people, open up your eyes. This stuff makes sense. Um, and then, you know, like I see these people who want to hire me to make a bunch more money. And I thought that that's what would make me happy. It didn't. So um, <clears throat> where was I? Joining Benko. In 2013? Yeah, so, mm hmm So you were a design editor for two years. Yes. And then you left. And then I and left. And then when you came back? Um, 2014. Oh, 2014, you went straight back to design ergo? I did, and but in a different role. What role? Um, as a clinical trainer. Wow. So we had Erica St. Pierre, who is um, just a champion. What a cool last name. St. Pierre, I know. So awesome. It's so good. Her husband, Roland, works for us, too. He's in marketing. But <clears throat> Roland St. Pierre? Roland St. Pierre, yeah. Um, and Erica and I worked together since, like, I, I she was my first call. You know, it was, you're going to talk, Dr. Hearn says, you're going to talk to Erica. And so I did, and... Um, we met and we just hit it off right away and we've just been really good friends since. But um, <clears throat> I've never met a group of people who were more passionate about what they did for a living than this group. Um, because they believe that they're doing something better and bigger than themselves. And I love that. And I wanted to get back in that. Um, and so... Erica had started this training program and developed it in its infancy. Like, and I remember when I was selling the equipment and design and stuff, you know, I'd be like, hey, Angie, all that equipment came now, what do I do? 
And it was who's like, who's going to come in and put it away? Who's going to put it all together? Who's right. going to show me how to use it, how to use it. Exactly. And how do you put the pieces together? And so I, it wasn't, I mean, I'm not like one of those ones that could put a program together. I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna, I, I can help you and, and give you like to Erica, I'm like, you know, she's like, Hey, you know, what do you think? Or, you know, should, we kind of consulted a little bit and I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Like we need to put all the pieces from that guide to maximizing productivity book that Dr. Hearn wrote and put them into action and show people. We actually give you a book on a how to, on how to do this, but I haven't, there are very few doctors who can actually put it together. And so they need help. And so we started this training program. I, I can't say I did. It Erica did. And, and you joined I, to help get I it to wanted, more yep, offices. We wanted to get into more offices. And so I was like hired as a 1099 employee. In fact, I took, my grandfather passed away. Um, I was still living in Rhode Island. And my grandfather passed away and my grandma's blind. And she was like, or I said, Grandma, you know, listen, I'm in a position where I could move and come and help you. Do you need some help? How quickly, again, another one of those, how quickly can you get here? So and where is she? Florida. Florida. This is how I get in Florida. And so um, I had worked with Erica. I'm like doing, working at a bunch of different practices on helping increase productivity by not, by improving efficiency, but not, you know, anything else. Like just eliminating a lot of steps. And so I was a 1099 for a while. Um, I thought maybe there was a point in my life where I need to settle down. Maybe like I, I'm starting to date who now is my husband. And maybe I shouldn't travel as much. And so I accepted a position at, a, at Heartland Dental, which is a corporation. Not my proudest moment or moments. Um, I didn't last very long, but I did get to see what that world was like from the inside. And I was a practice administrator, so I got to see it from the real inside, the deep down and dirty. And it was not, um, that was not my thing. I'm like, this is not me. And so more trainings came up. And then finally, I, I have a lot to say, right? And I share a lot and I talk a lot on email. I am all over social media a lot, answering questions, simple answers. Um, and then I was asked to be hired on to the company in 2018 as the blog writer. For what company? Design Ergonomics. So now you're, you're helping them. I'm training offices. Right. And now you're writing a blog? And they hired me on as a as an employee again to write the blog and wow. be part of the marketing team. And so I write the blog. How often? Every it was every week. And now, you know, I'm now I'm the director of clinical education and training. Uh, Erica is she's was the director and she's I mean, we have a lot of clients who need you know, more help on the design side. She's selling equipment and she's doing a great job. And she's just like, I, I, I'd rather focus on that. And if Angie, I, you know, I think that this role will be great for you. And so I started directing the program. I don't know how good I am at it. 
Well, you clearly enjoy, do something awesome. I enjoy going to the offices. Isn't that the best part? Yeah, it is. I learn more than I thought I would. I learn a lot. And I'm, I mean, I'm not one of those be like, nope, it's my way or the highway, people. Yes. I, I'm not. I give you a ton of credit for that. After being at what you do for so long, you still listen to offices. And it's not like, well, we're going to do birds this way. You're like, so what would be the best for you guys out of these two options or three options? What works best for you? And then you do take feedback. You do listen. It's amazing. For some reason, that night that I met you, mm -hmm. I thought you were going to be completely different. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? What? You're like, I mean, what? you present yourself, maybe it was just that evening, but it was more like, like, let's go. Like you fired up and you're like, my word, the highway. And, you know, like it's, that was my perception. But then when you get to the office, you're like, you wear scrubs, you know, you're in the office and you're working with assistants and hygienists and organizing things and you're listening and you're facilitating. Do you know what the most important job of mine is in the office? Buy-in. Buy-in from the team members? Yes. Into the system? Yes. Okay. So like you go to the office, what's more important for you not to like organize every single little thing. But when you leave is you need to have every single person to buy in what they're going to do. And then and there's a structure in place. Mm -hmm. When I leave, there is buy in like it can't be halfway. It's got to be all in or none. It doesn't work 50 percent. And why 50? Why 50? Yeah, I would it think it, it's like should be like 80, 20, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, it's all in. It is, and that's why I, I do ask for everybody's commitment, and I ask them to give me a verbal yes. Like, could you just try it out? Just test it. It's been tested a lot, and I know this stuff works, but it doesn't work halfway. Oh, you mean that's why you say 50-50. So it's yes. either 100% or nothing. Right. I got it. I, I, I thought wrong I meant I it. needed all mm -hmm. the buy-in. I right. need everybody to... To, to say, yeah, you know what? It is a lot different than, than what we've ever done before. That we've never done this. I, I don't, I'm not sure about it, but I will give it my all. You know, that 21 day try thing. Right, to build a habit. Yeah, yeah. Just, just try it. All work together and if you work in unison this way, I'm telling you, there isn't anything that will set your practice up for success better than this. And there's always room for improvement. You can't improve something that is not standardized or like doesn't have a process. If you don't know the number of inputs to have an output, you know, if your output is your goal, you need to know the number of inputs it takes because inputs, process, output, those are all lean things. but I mean, hello, it's like common sense stuff. You know, how many, how many steps does it take, you know, to restock your operatories? Well, in my book, it can't, it's not much. Two to minute, two minutes. I wonder what's the average for non-design ergo offices to restock the rooms. So the difference is is you don't bring your inventory to the operatories. You bring your operatory to inventory to restock. Mm -hmm. So you don't 
you know, I like to joke about the trolley cart that you bring in, you like load it up and you bring it in or you see how much you can stuff in your pockets. Take, open a drawer, put stuff in it. Uh, in, in this type of setup, it's visual and you bring your operatory to inventory to restock. There's no hiding places. Can't hide anything. Dr. Kicks in Arlington Heights, the mm -hmm. first time I went to see him, he's got what, 20 rooms? Mm -hmm. One yes. sterilization. That's like two sites, probably 15 feet long each site. He's got a lab and no storage. No storage closets. Exactly. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No closet. We don't design with closets. <clears throat> because I remember even back in my days of building dental offices, it was a big thing to build a storage closet, mm -hmm. put a lock on it, mm -hmm. only allow dental assistants to go restock the rooms once a day at 7 o'clock in the morning or like once a week. Like there are very little that I knew back then. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the first time I saw Dr. Kicks. I was like, how do you do this? You have no storage closet. They're like, yeah, we just keep everything here in the, in the sterilization room. Then they have the mobile carts and then every, everything has the checklist. And they were the first office that was counting everything by each individual thing. If you have a bag of 100 saliva ejectors, they would count each one of them. Mm -hmm. And I have offices that said, like, we'll go bananas if we do that. And Dr. Kick said, well, you know, I'm a big office. I need that 1% mm -hmm. is a lot of money for me if mm -hmm. I save on dental supplies. And so if that means that I'm counting each individual saliva ejectors, that's what I'm doing. And on top of it, to be honest, it doesn't take that long. If you have a system in place, right. boom. But if you count, I mean, I don't know if he's counting. He's opening the bags and counting like if it's already pre-counted for 50 in a bag. At least or when I was there, they, they, have, they had these things like, the picking things, mm -hmm. and they would pick one, two, three, four, five, right now, five. It's one, two, three, four, each. Saliva ejectors, patient bibs, all of it. Yeah. And, I mean, that kind of, that's kind of what we do. We only have to do it once, though, right? We don't do it all the time. And the goal is to have that one week's worth in your ops, right? Right. And you order once a month. Mm -hmm. which I think is impossible. Oh. They always forget something. Mm. And you keep pushing on that it's impossible. But every office I go to, it's amazing if they get to one a month order. And again, that's probably why we need to build a better system on our end to remind them of things that they could potentially forget from a software standpoint. There's just so many offices they keep forgetting and then they end up buying this one thing that they forgot and paying shipping on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you buy it every two weeks, less chance that you forget something and you don't pay for shipping. And, I mean, depending on the size of the practice, some, I mean, there are some practices that we've designed that I want a bigger private office. And so, you know, where do we, where do we scrimp on space? And they might scrimp on the sterilization resupply area. But the fact that it's central, that's a big, hairy deal. Because if it's centrally located, right. I am my everything's coming from this. Everyone's coming to the center, and so less steps. But <clears throat> um, 
sometimes I, I have to go with the twice a month if I am, you know, if I've got 25 operatories and I have half the space Dr. Kicks has, I've got to kind of figure out, you know, what I can do in that space. And like this is after counting that one week's worth, you know, that 90% profiles, that's a big deal. And then count that one. If I take a picture of what one week looks like, it's never going to change what one week looks like. Mm -hmm. you, you can fix it, like just make it look like that. You don't have to count every time. Just make it look like that. If I have a stack of bibs and I know I've counted it once and that's what 50 looks like, then just make it look right. like that. Right. Plus minus five or ten bibs, it's not going to break your bank or right. it's not why you would run out of inventory. Right. But it's much better to because have a you keep a minimum of two weeks. I mean, that's the minimum. So you always have a cushion. Maximum of six weeks of inventory in Central. How do you take into account the shortages that we just gone through? Because there was a moment that I was telling our offices to just stuck up on gloves. I don't care. If yeah, that, have I have done that too. And cavi wipes, that was another right. one. Or, you know, Sani wipes. That so was another adjust. one of those things. You do. You just. You have to really, you have to know what your market is doing. Right? Um, you know, you even, I don't say have like a bunch of, of the same thing or like a bunch of ways to do the same thing. Have one way to do it and then like. It, every 18 months or two years, you kind of go, okay, is there a better product out there? And then go with that, right? Um, they, there are ways, you got to adjust it. You have to know, you have to be, have that manager, that clinical lead that is, uh, that is on top of that, that inventory. Now, I mean, sometimes the clinical lead is not the person doing the ordering. They're the one managing the person doing the ordering or leading the person doing the ordering, or that person, like, you know, in some of these big, you know, you think like hierarchies, the dentist or the owner, the practice owner is like, talks to one person, like the operations director or whatever of the enterprise, or that one doctor talks to the hygiene lead and the assistant lead and the front desk lead. And it's like those people, it's their teams that are doing all of the work. And, you know, like, it would be my job to be like, hey, Tiger, um, you know, our supply cost is this, or whatever it is. And what are you going to do to get it down? Like, I'd be like, what are you going to do to decrease that by half a percent? I need you to get that down. And it would be up to you to find an answer for me. And then I'm going to say, think you can have an answer for me for ne next Friday, right? I'll give you I'll a deadline. I'll say, I have an answer for you right now. Yes, right. I'll do a shameless plug, you zen. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's good, right. You zen. Yeah. And then you present zen to me, and I go, okay, tell me about it. And then my job to sell the doctor on it, right? Yeah. Like, I communicate to you what is going to be the best. And I've put you in that leadership role. So I trust what you do and what, how you, right. whatever you come up with, I trust it. Right. I would be a horrible dental assistant. You would be? Why? I just, I hate systems. I don't follow systems. Why? I'm the first person on my team that I, I'll build the systems and I'm out. And then I'm trying to break them. Break the systems? My own systems. Mm-hmm. Just my personality. Yeah. 
I'm trying to get better. And now I just we have team members that push me away from things that work. Mm-hmm. But I would be, I can imagine what chaos I would create in a dental office. Do you do any personality tests or like? Uh... You know, I've done in the past when I was like worried about myself that, that something is wrong with me. But once I figured that, you know, I'm just a human being and I do the best I can and I'm just trying to live one life that I got, then I stopped worrying about it. Like, so what? I find out something. So big deal. So I just let myself do what I do. Do you give yourself enough time to truly test? I don't. Do you know what the answer to that is? What, what the, what the, like, is it a six-month test? Is it a year test? Six months? It depends on things. So this whole idea with Zen Supplies, we're still on that early vision that we set out in 2016. Nothing changed. If you ask me what was the vision I wrote in 2015, why we're starting Zen, and today, when we're launching the second product, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Automate the back end of the office. That's it. There's nothing else. I don't try to come up with new stuff. I don't try to sell you new things. I'm going to the dental office to learn what can we do from a software standpoint to make the back end of the office to run much better, much more efficient, smooth. That you don't have to reschedule the patients because you don't have a material. We don't have to reschedule patients because you don't have an implant and things like These are the things that I'm trying to tackle. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm slow. Yes, I'm doing a lot of flip-flops back and forth in the middle, but we're still going towards that one goal. So that is why I think we're still, we're still, we're still on the right track because I think that North Star is still the same. Nothing changed. And I'm so happy about it. It's how I'm trying to get there is constantly changing. And that could be a month or a week or six months. Are you trying to analyze me? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> it's a can mess. You see, no. Can you tell? No. I, I mean, no, I, I get it. it. But, I mean, my boss is that way. And, but he's truly, I mean, I'm not asking you about your team. You know, like, do you trust your team to yeah. come up with, you just be like, here's what I need done, and I want it done right now, today, this is how, we're, how it has to be. Yeah. And then you need somebody on your team to go, whoa, 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 hey, take 10 steps back. We've got to go through X, Y, and Z before we get there. Yeah. And so, like, that's Dr. Hearn is that way. Yeah. Like, I... I am. I love R and D, right? Like, if I see I am consistently running into an issue every single time I go to a training, I'm like, "We got to get rid of that. Get yeah. that away from yeah. me. It's driving me crazy." And so, um, they listen. Uh, my team, they there's a lot of respect there. Does that? And I've got autonomy. It's not like I'm changing it on the site and be like, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We're going to go ahead and do it this way. No, it's we come together as a team and we say this process would be better after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. Um, this process could be better if we improved this solution by this way. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like since COVID, it's been cover everything it's you know everything is just all about air traffic control right, right. the air and how we're going to control it well I, 
there hasn't been a COVID case documented in a dental office. In a dental office. Exactly. And we're dealing with aerosols 24 hours a day. I mean, all day. And even if you disinfect your operatory, those aerosols are up in the air for hours. And they're still trickling down, right? You will never fully disinfect your operatory, ever. Unless you create some kind of negative pressure suite. Right. Which is nobody's going to do at the dental office. I mean, Dr. Hearn invented a product, but, um, you know, we're trying to get it out there. Yeah. I have a last question for you. Okay. You've been to a lot of offices. Yeah. And when I go to offices, as soon as I go through the front door, I can already feel the culture. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot of times I'm wrong. I would walk in the office and I would feel one way, but it actually turns out the other way. And I'm always curious, what is the leadership for you in the dental practice? Like not the cliches, the 10 things on the wall and, mm -hmm. you know, my team is my family. None of that, but what is your definition of the leadership? I mean, what, are the, what are the things that you look when you go into the office that scream at you that the leadership? That they are lacking it or that they Both. have it? Both. Um, I think willingness to learn and openness to change is, that's a big trigger for me. Um, I can almost tell. Now, a diff the difference between me, I, I'm not cold calling offices, right? Like I'm, I am, we're kind of a referral base, like booked, I'm booked months out. That's a really good problem to have. Yes. It's not for clients who want training. I mean, all of my trainers are booked months out. So like if I say there's a 90 day lead time to get a trainer in there and the doctors have had issues for 25 years. And they're like, oh, my God, no, we can't do it now because it's not soon enough. And like, well, for 25 years, yes. you've had this problem. Like, I can't get there tomorrow because we do a lot of pre-work. There is a ton of pre-work. And I'm gathering information and I get the clinical staff. And I, I just work with clinical staff members. I get them on the phone with me early on. Like, hey, doctor, thank you for buying this training. Now send me off to your clinical team members. Send me off to your leads. Because the earlier that they're involved in this process, the, the investment becomes, uh, I mean, the, the team buys in. And now the investment isn't like, hey, I spent all this money for you to come in the door. It's, wow, like my team is invested in this now. And like, that's huge. Getting your team members involved early on, and even if a doctor wants to have control and be, I, I just want you to go through me, I'm, I can't work with you. Because I'm not going to be thrown into a pack of wolves. Not going to do it. I don't want to spend Not to the fault time. of the team to call them. It's, it's just the environment no. creates them as the pack of wolves. Right. Yeah. I am... I'm going to lose 
before I even walk in the door. Right. And I, I'm too competitive and I yeah. have a winner's attitude and I've been athletic and I'm in sports. And so winning is a big, hairy deal. You, I'm an Ohio wait, State Buckeye wait. fan. Like we win all the time. Right. What are you excited about most? Like, are you, what, what triggers you more? The fear of losing or the excitement of winning? I think the excitement of winning. Okay. Because I don't quit. Yeah. So there is, I'm not, I don't fear it. I want to put all the players in that are going to ensure the winning yeah. outcome. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I'm not going, I'm not setting myself up for failure or your practice up for failure. I'm setting you up to win. Right. And so all these pieces need to come together. So just to wrap this up, mm -hmm. can you name one or two things that makes good, uh, that makes doctors incredible leaders? Like what are the three things from your experience? Um, giving their team autonomy. Okay. I, I, I think let them be problem solvers. That's, I mean, leadership is, you know, hiring the right people, putting people in the right positions. That's that's a good leader, knowing what you're looking for, for that role, right? Like in this day and age, I mean, like the last couple of years, it's been tough to find staff, good staff. And I've seen doctors, they're just hiring whatever walks in the door because they don't have people. Yeah. And just that means people with no passion. Yeah. They're just collecting And they're going to be, it's going to be that revolving door mm -hmm. syndrome. But I think like you have to build from within and go back to the foundation stuff. Give them, give your team members a reason not to leave, not reasons to leave. And, you know, of course I'm, I'm pitching this training. Right. And bring design ergonomics to fix things in the office. Yeah. I right. mean, this shameless plug. It's, I mean, shame on me because I'll take all the blame. Right? I mean, I don't care. It's, uh, it's that important. Like seeing people, giving people the opportunity to develop. Like you talked early on about developing your people. Like give them, give them a way to do that. Give them a way up. If you're spinning that wheel, that hamster wheel all the time and doing the same things over and over again because you can't get caught up. It's, you've got to fix that right. first. Right. And I, I mean, it goes with your stuff too. Yeah. Let's, let's with whatever I do out there. Yeah. Yeah. All your, I mean, like you have a really great vision. Like you yeah. know what needs to be done. And I mean, like controlling that inventory is a big, hairy deal. Yeah. I have thrown away. I mean, I think the biggest $14,000 worth of implants once. Because the doctor changed and they used a different system? Nope. Because he let his rep go and load up his implant cabinet. It was a periodontist. And so 14000 is nothing for them, isn't that's what you're saying? No, I'm saying no. In fact, his wife was kind of involved in the tra in the training, and she was mortified, like couldn't believe it. But they didn't turn inventory, right? So all those expired. Those are medical devices. You can't even put that in a chart. 
that you've inserted that, right? right. If it's expired. Right. So just like little things. Yeah. I think life is about little things. Um, I wanted to keep it short. I know you're busy. This was awesome to sit down and catch yeah, you in good. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we can do that again in Boston, in Massachusetts. Yeah. I'll come I over hope, and I, I want, want to meet you your to. team. I, I want you to. I think there's so much synergy between what we do. I think it, it really gives me goosebumps when you say you guys are trying to build bigger what you are and, you know, like the, the product and the service that's needed in the industry. I think that's what we're trying to do. I'm not worried about the financials and stuff. I mean, we need to survive and pay bills, but I'm more interested to build the product that industry needs. And it's still painful when I go to offices and I realize that we still haven't done it. Mm -hmm. Even with 14 other companies that we're competing with, there's mm -hmm. still not a one company that figured out what's really needed in the office. And that still drives me. I, I believe that you are the one who wants to find what's needed and for everybody else. And, you know, this comes from me working in it before. It's all about how much money they can make. Right. And we're a solutions company. And I, I know you want to be a solutions company. Like, give them one source, one resource. Nobody needs to shop around for best pricing. That dental assistant you pay $25 an hour does not need to spend five hours, eight hours, whatever, to order researching the best price. That isn't something to brag about, by the way, doctor. Like when I see a Facebook post, it'd be like, my assistant is the best. She finds the best price. I'm like, at what price does she find the best price for you? That's expensive. Right. And so I, I it isn't something to brag about. Yeah. And so, they're going to milk that all day long. Right. All right. We'll do this again. Good. I hope so. Thank you so much, Angie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.